we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. The Cheers to Comics Podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics Podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. This is Brian Wayne, the official voice of NSC Live TV, coming to you from the Cheers to Comics studio, aka Studio Cerebro, to tell you all about Hooked On Comics Super Sales. For high-grade goodies and a whole lot of laughs, make your way over to the next show with John, Mary, and the rest of the gang. Walk the enormous wall of slabs, then go through the bin room, followed by an auction. Check out John's hat too, man. Never the same hat twice. Join them for new comics on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on NSCLiveTV.com, channel 12. That's NSCLiveTV.com, your home for the best in auction action. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly here to tell you about Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. Brought to you by NSCLiveTV.com. Join Raul and Donna for a great night of comics, games, prizes, and more. Raul is a USAF veteran and has been in love with comics since he was six years old. This comic book powerhouse duo have been together for more than 20 years and enjoy the love of all the superheroes we grew up with. The $3 Donna Pull winner wins a free slabbed comic. That's, <laughs> did you hear that? The $3 Donna Pull winner wins a free slabbed comic. That's crazy. $3 can get you a slabbed comic. Uh, so yeah, make sure you join Sergeant and the Commander Auctions Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time on NSCLiveTV.com channel 15. And when you get to NSCLiveTV.com, click on the NSC Now tab and stay updated on all of the times and shows and all of that good stuff. So once again, tune in to Sergeant and the Commander Auctions, Fridays, 4.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Channel 15, through NSCLiveTV.com. You're home for the best in auction action. Well, hello again, Slurds. Welcome back to the Church to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 66. If you're legacy counting, like some of, some of us tend to do, this is actually number 150. I've done this thing 150 freaking times now. So that's gnarly, uh, and that celebration is over. Carrying on. These are the books <laughs> uh, on episode 66. These, I will be going over the books that were released on February 5th, 2019, as well as talking about other things relevant to the world of comic books within that week. So full disclosure, this is not your typical review-based podcast. It's uh, yeah, mostly opinion-free, except for when I can't contain my, uh, my excitement. It's, it's an overview-based podcast, so with that being said, there will be spoilers. Uh, but I do take the time to add in timestamps within the description and the show notes, so, um, if there's something that you're not quite ready to have spoiled for you yet, I give you the option to move along. 
Um, yeah, uh, beyond all that, in case you've got fragile ears or for whatever reason you don't like foul language, um, I'm warning you, I'm gonna use some of that there foul language. I'm gonna use it real good, I'm gonna use it real hard. So, you've been warned. Now, let's let's talk comic books, man. There's, and, 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 and not, man, whoever would, would yeah, uh, fucking slurds, that's who we are. Slurds. Let's talk comic books. There's some good stuff this week. Got a little bit of news. Gonna start out with news this week. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the really sad stuff right out of the way. Uh, as I record this podcast, just a few hours from this time or before this time, um, a long time great, a legend, Archie editor in chief for the last. Oof, who knows how many years, 63 years in the business total, lived a life of 78 years altogether, been doing this for 16 years, Mr. Sorry, Mr. Victor Gorlick. Ah, man, so, you know, I, I was, I, admittedly, I was never a big Archie reader. It's not that I had anything against Archie, it was just never a character that was uh, delivered to me. Uh, at any type of age, for that matter. I, I did read a little bit of Archie vs. Predator not too long ago. I admit that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I... Um, this... this uh, uh, even even not being a huge fan of Archie, it's it's shitty for to, to, to hear these creators go. It's, it's funny, I get... Uh, I'm not very emotional when it comes to uh, um, celebrity deaths and all of that. Um, for the most part, it's just, uh, yeah, life goes on, you know, it sucks. These people I never knew, I respect what they did, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, I guess, it, but when it comes to comic book creators, man, it's, it's, it's just a little bit shittier for me, I don't know, not, it's, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get done with this, uh, sad stuff, so, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Victor Gorlick. God damn, man, 63 years. That's crazy. Um, on to some more positive news. Uh, Juggernaut be getting his own series for the first time. Now, this this is good for Juggernaut fans. <laughs> I think this is good for comics. It's just a five-parter, so it's not a huge investment. Uh, the premise is essentially Juggernaut trying to find his place in Krakoa. It's not necessarily fitting in. Um, and Fabian Nasiza probably said that last name wrong, and Ron Garney is on the artistic team, or at least that's what they'd be saying. So, Juggernaut 5-parter, man, you know I'm going to be talking about that. It is, I mean, it says in the description, part of Don of X, as one would expect it to be. Um, last little bit of news that I'm going to be talking about. Admittedly, I, don't, I didn't go digging too deep this week because uh, I found three pretty talkable about a bowl of pieces <laughs> that's a thing now um right off the bat so i didn't want this to be uh mostly news newsy type of story uh but with that being said free comic book day isn't far away marvel announced some stuff and apparently their their books are going to contain some air quote game changing stories so make sure you do pick those up you get the opportunity, free comic book day. I'm sure they're going to mean something. Um, it's uh, it's not unheard of for a free comic book 
day book to gain value almost immediately. You know, it just kind of depends on what's in it. That's the news. That is the news. Um, we're going to keep going on with this little speculation lottery segment here. Once again, thank you, Joey, for the help on that name. Uh, <laughs> you know who you are. So, uh, the premise of this here segment is to essentially um, maybe give mm, shout-outs, kudos, recommendations. I don't know how you want to put it, but it's um, just noticing the books that may gain some potential financial steam down the road based off of, uh, you know, uh, you know, potential key issue type of scenarios here. Um, that could be anything from big reveals to first appearances to bloody 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 blah. So I've got four of them this week. First one, Vader. Vader number one. It is a massive reveal, and because I'm not to the overview point of the podcast yet, I will not reveal what this reveal is, so stay tuned for when I be talking about Vader, because please believe I will be talking about Vader. Um, so, yeah, no, this is massive. You know, keep in mind these, these Star Wars comics are all canon, so what's happening in here means things, you know, to the movie universe and all of that stuff. Granted, the Skywalker... Uh, saga's over, supposedly, but, you know, who knows? Who knows what could happen? But the fact is, this reveal is massive, and as soon as people found out, you know, got to that last page, it was like, oh, shit, that motherfucker? Um, yeah, now, books sold out real quick and fast. So I think that's a surefire. Surefire. I mean, may not be a massive key, but it's definitely gonna gain some steam down the road. Um, next one, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number three. Uh, so, if you listen to this podcast at all or listen to me, you know that I, I'm a believer that cameos are first appearances. Yeah, I'm, I'm that fucking guy. But, you know, you see them, that's, that's what it is. As long as it's within, um, uh, you know, a story, an actual contained story, you know, not an advertisement, anything like that, the first time you see a character, boom, first appearance. Um, but with my bias aside, I'm still going to describe <laughs> these, uh, if they're acknowledged as cameos, I'll, I'll still mention them as cameos. So now with that little rant aside, Green Shredder, supposedly this is the real first appearance, the first full appearance. So that other time and that other time were, uh, not full appearances, <laughs> But this one is a for sure full appearance. Unless he evolves again like a fucking Pokemon or something. But I don't see that happening. He might. I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows. <laughs> Shredder with a Zord. Does that count? Um, yeah. So, yeah, Green Shredder is for real, for real. He's doing shit. So that's that's a potential key. It's, it's, it's got some... Uh, well, some potential. Uh, a book that I did not pick up, Lois Lane number eight. So we got a first appearance here by the name of Kiss of Death. I, I didn't read it, so I couldn't tell you anything about it. But according to the sources, Kiss of Death is a first time appearing in Lois Lane number eight. So there you go. Um, I skipped that number. 
And Ant-Man number one. We got a bunch of cameos. We got a cameo from a character named Vespa, and a, char- or a cameo from a character named Thread, and a cameo from a character named Tusk. Vespa, Thread, and Tusk. All cameoed like a motherfucker. Uh, Ant-Man number one. And fun side note. <laughs> uh, Zeb Wells. Zeb Wells is the creator of this here book. And I... <laughs> I was in an Uber with his sister-in-law the other day. So, yeah, what are you going to do? Small world. Zeb Wells, coming at you. Um, I also have come to realize, and I don't know if this is breaking news or anything like that, but as these aren't sources that I'm aware of, Zeb Wells is the only male writer writing for the She-Hulk live-action Marvel Disney Plus series. Hmm. So he's just in a room full of... Uh, femininity, and, um, yeah, his, his clackers are just clinking around, just writing some She-Hulk, and some Ant-Man, and some, oh, man, I don't know, that's it, but the, the fact is, is that he's got a sister that takes Ubers, that's what she should pull out of all of the, that rant, that's, yeah, so, shout out to Uber, <laughs> Uh, that does it. Those are the lottery picks, lottery potentials, I don't know. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I don't think any of this stuff has necessarily gained steam quite yet. I haven't checked back on Vader. I haven't looked since the first day. Uh, Vader could possibly be, be sold out. Probably gonna be getting a second printing, more than likely. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. And, you know, it's, it's not like they were, there was a shortage of books ordered either. You know, I happen to know that my LCS ordered about 40 of these and gone in the first day. So, yeah. And that was just what was on the shelf. That wasn't the the orders that were previously (laughs) pre-ordered. So, hmm, there you go. That is Speculation Lottery. We ready to talk comic books, man. Um, uh, I am... I'm I'm so fucking ready to talk comic books. There's some good shit this week. And you know, I'm I'm thankful to say none of it's shit. I didn't read a bad book and I read I read a few books as I search for my pen so I can write stuff down. There it is. Alright, so um let's just get on with it. We got a couple of indies to talk about this week. We got some MMPRTMNT or for the, uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't even have a word, uh, for those who don't understand the, the, the comic books slango, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover, number three, Ryan Peratt, Simone DeMeo, Walter Biamonte, covered by Dan Mora, this is the Power Rangers quartet of incredible is oh my god this team and Dan Moore doing covers come on now all right what we have here is a little confrontation between Rita and Shredder uh Rita says look Shredder you crazy motherfucker you can't be having that green power coin because um well uh you just shouldn't uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm Rita, and you shouldn't have that, and they get into a battle, and they fight, and when they come about, they realize, hey, you're strong as shit, you're strong as shit, let's team up and be stronger as shit together, 
and take down a common enemy, and then afterwards we'll go back to fucking each other up, you know, and take care of the whole uh, power coin thing later on, but in the meantime, let's fuck up some turtles and some rangers, and so that's that's what they do, it's, you know, there's some reluctancy, obviously, but it happens, it happens, so, <laughs> Uh, now we go back to Tommy. Tommy, he's in his cage. He's in his cage, and, well, uh, he's talking to his friend. Uh, not a very good friend at this point, mind you, but his friend, he still regards him as a friend, Tyler. And Tyler sold him out. Tommy got into the Foot Clan so he could try to unbrainwash his friend Tyler, and turns out Tyler used, uh, turning on Tommy... Jesus Christ, what an alliteration. <laughs> to, uh, I could have kept going. Uh, and press Shredder. So, yeah, well, because of that, Tommy's in a fucking cage. He ain't got no coin now. And now we get a backstory. And essentially the backstory is and why there's some sourness, some bitterness, um, some tartness, whatever type of foul flavor one could uh, pin on this here story mood. <laughs> uh, Tyler, he, he goes back and says, hey, Tommy, remember how we were in this orphanage together and you got adopted by this super cool family and, you know, I was just left? Tommy was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you abandoned me. He's like, dog, um, I, I, I didn't. I was adopted. And they make you do that. And, you know, I was... I could have stayed here, sure, but I thought that you would want what was best for me. So, well, no, you're a fucking traitor. So, after you left, I went out and became a goddamn shithead kid. So, here we are now, motherfucker. And, yeah, there we go. Meanwhile, we got some more acquaintances happening. The rangers are getting to know the turtles just a wee bit better. Over some fucked up type of butterscotch and uh, something uh, gumball gummy worm pizza i don't know something fucking disgusting an onion there was definitely onion on the pizza toppings too Ugh. so <laughs> that's what they're doing they're all getting acquainted and said hey you know you wear colors all over you and i wear colors on my face and you know we got a lot in common none of that's actually spoken of that's just kind of how i was gathering all of that <laughs> But meanwhile, they get a ping. Aye, 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 says Alpha 5, and uh, Rangers are off to... And the ping is on Tommy's location, and really it's the, 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 the dragon coin. And uh, if you've been listening to me at all, uh, you would know that Shredder now has the dragon coin, so it's a trap. Rangers meet up with Shredder. It's too much. Um... This is realized, so they call for help, and they say, hey, remember those fucking teenager mutated uh, karate amphibians? Let's call those guys, and, you know, yeah, they could help, right? So they do, but that's not who shows up. It's Casey motherfucking Jones, and he provides the distraction needed so the rangers can retreat. So we got some retreating rangers, and then Casey Jones catches up, and yeah. Well, meanwhile, uh, Rita finds this time opportune to send down one of her monsters and make it grow. And she decides that she's going to throw down Wildfire. Wildfire there is a um, giant flamey kitty. And so I just kind of picture Growlithe, but prone, 
That's kind of how I, you know, Growlithe if you're a Pokemon kid, 90s kid at all. I don't know. Um, but, you know, this is kind of what I got out of it. That was the, the description that popped into my head, and then I saw it, and boom. So, Attack in New York. Now, at this point, um, we have a bit of an issue. The Rangers can't seem to morph, and for whatever reason, there's some sort of blockage going on, and, you know, they, they can't teleport. There's, there's, their, their powers are super dampened, but there's a solution, and this solution is incredibly spoilery. Now, you've been warned. They give their coins, their power coins, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but one may think there's five of them, four turtles. Who's getting the other coin? Is it Casey Jones? No, it's April motherfucking O'Neil. Mm, God damn it! This is <laughs> this is comic books, guys. This is comic books. This is oh fuck. This is perfect. This is perfect. Um, you know, Saban. Should take some notes here, because maybe you can get the the TV series crossover live action going again one day. <laughs> Just let Ryan Parrott helm the ship. One more indie to talk about. Only a couple indies this week on the on the overview list, but that's that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, this indie here. This is a good one. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the much delayed, highly anticipated. It's been in my possession and with the ability to read for months now, and I haven't done it. And I finally got the chance to read it. The book is going to the chapel, number four, from Action Lab Danger Zone. And, well, the hype is real. The hype is real. David Pepos, your master. Your master at crime, Gavin Guidry, uh, your art killed it, Liz Kramer, your creations, <laughs> spectacular. Oh boy. So, um, Liz, she's going to apologize to Jesse, and when she does that, um, he, he says, look, dude, I understand, I, I get it, things change, uh, but I want you to have this, and by this, it's this set of blueprints, and this blueprint is what he describes, and by he, I mean Jesse, he describes as his masterpiece. And this is their home that he had been designing for them, uh, with multiple um, rewrites, if you will, redesigns, that's the right word. And yeah, and then he, they go into this whole metaphorical thing to the point where uh, Liz actually, she does something I did not see coming at all. And she has a change of heart. And from there, uh, without um, it really giving away this book panel for panel, page for page, um, and making it to the point where you have no need to go pick it up for yourself, there's... <laughs> uh, man, there's some... All right, one of the funny parts here, Grandma Harriet pops up after this. Uh, she realized, look, Jesse, you're not so bad. Sorry I shot you. By the way, here is the heart of Dresden, the, the, the catalyst for this entire... Uh, heist and standoff, the thing that brought in the bad Elvis gang, um, the thing that went missing immediately, and then all the attention was converted to, or diverted, if you will, to um, Liz and, uh, well, shit, what was his name, Tommy? I think that was his name. And, yeah, well, the heart of Dresden's back, turned out, Grandma, she just did it for weed money. 
serious. Like, I'm, I'm yep. Uh, Grandma Harriet needs her weed money. And that heart of yours didn't get you a lot of smokables. So, um, yeah, that's just one of the small, tiny uh, parts that... <laughs> Fuck, I'm still laughing about it. Yeah, you get it. So, what's going on? How does this book end? Uh, Liz and Jesse get married. But, uh, you gotta keep in mind, there's still a standoff happening here. The cops don't know what the fuck's going on outside. Um, We get a little bit of a um, hint as to maybe a a switcheroo type of scenario uh, in the church. And then, no arrests are made because, you know, a switcheroo type of scenario happened and the bad elvis gang they do get out in coffins uh but alive it's all all, all trick it's all trick don't worry they're cool they're cool nobody died nobody fucking died in this book and you know what i uh, that's that's probably the most respectful thing i could say about this book is he created a book so fucking powerful so fun so entertaining you didn't even need a dramatic death to send anything over the edge as I sit here and think about this, uh, that that's that's fucking brilliant. I mean, huh? Wow, David Pepos, man, he's he's been on this podcast. He's been he's been on the old Cheers to Comics podcast. He, oh fuck, dude, good shit, good shit, bravo. And the trade drops in a couple of weeks from this, from this, uh, from this podcast. Uh, so I think it said the twenty or the nineteenth. The 19th. Yep, that's the one. So, carrying on. We've got a couple of DC books to talk about this week. First one, uh, the Twitter polls. By the way, um, the, 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 the Twitter polls most anticipated indie book of the week. Going to the chapel. The Twitter polls miss, m- most anticipated DC book of the week. No, 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 Batman. Number 88. So, what is going on in Batman. Uh, I'm not going to go on this huge rant about how I'm ultra impressed with James Tinning again like I did the last time. It'd take three minutes just to praise the fact that I was super wrong. Uh, I'm going to continue to acknowledge the fact that I was super wrong. This book gets better. He's amazing. He's amazing. So, James Tinney in the fourth, Gilliam March and Tomal Moray, covered by Tony S. Daniel and Tomal Moray. All right, so Catwoman, she's in this graveyard, and she's doing some digging. And while she's doing some digging, she's on this uh, thought-to-be-dismantled phone line with none other than the Riddler. And she's asking the Riddler, hey, I need your help. And Riddler's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing a whole, there's a whole lot of riddling, if you will. <laughs> um, he's, he, he, he brings up the fact that there's a secret a very dark secret that Selena is responsible for that she's been keeping from Bruce. Um, and that secret is yet to be, you know, that he doesn't talk about it. He just says, look, you know, fucking things, uh, things are kind of awkward for you right now. And if I were you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go blabbing about anything. Well, she gets off the phone with the Riddler, immediately calls up Bruce and say, hey, I got a confession to make. He doesn't answer, but you know what? That, that grave she was digging up within that coffin is the corpse of the Joker. Turns out, not so corpsey, as one would expect. Uh, Joker seemingly alive, as dead as he is. He puts out this little mm, Jokery type of gas, as he does. And Catwoman falls in. Then we get a button. We get this gathering of 
uh, henchmen type of people. And they warn her. And they're, they're, they're going on with Catwoman about, hey, shouldn't have tried to tattle, bitch. Shouldn't have tried to tattle. So you know that whatever she got in with um, is some bad shit. Uh, what that is, we'll get to in just a moment. Meanwhile, we gotta go over to Batman. Batman, he has subdued Cheshire, one of uh, Deathstroke's recruited uh, companions, if you will, in crime. Um, and after doing so, Batman, he needs to move quick. Doesn't have a Batmobile fast enough or any ride of any type fast enough, close enough to get him where he needs to be, so he calls up his boy Lucius. Lucius says, hey, you see that uh, trillion-dollar-looking car over there? Turns out, uh, go into your back left, 14th to the light, right, down, over, and um, 16 up from their pocket on your utility belt. And there is a remote. And essentially, it's a Batmobile in a pocket, and you get a boom. You get to attach that to that thing, and it's going to make the bat that, that, that super-fast supercar go really, really fast. Batman says, I'm not going to steal a car, and Lucius says, it's mine, motherfucker, and you're paying me for it. So, yeah. Uh, now Batman has a supermobile. <laughs> That's not so super. Keep in mind, it has no armor, it has no weaponry, it's just really, really, really fucking fast. And it's all he needs at this point. Um, so, uh, now we, we go over to Penguin. Penguin, he has slayed, and all of his people busted out of that super prison that was under Gotham, uh, that Bullock was screaming at Batman about, uh, prior to this, because what's the point of having a super security prison if as soon as somebody goes in there, everybody's gonna be able to be busted out at once? Well, Penguin, he did it with a whole lot of help, uh, mostly with the help of the guards <laughs> running the place. So that's how you bust somebody out. No place is safe in Gotham. Everybody's a shit fuck. So, um, Penguin has Deathstroke and his people all hung up in this this meat cooler, and you know we get a villainous dialogue. And uh, my boy Penguin is badass and is mate is amazing and gangster as Tinny and Matem. I will say he kind of. Mm, I don't. I I did say he did him wrong, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a biased way because Penguin is my. I mean, without a doubt, my favorite DC villain, and my my favorite villain, and or my second favorite villain in comics altogether. So I, I got a lot of love for the Penguin. Uh, he gets his throat cut by Slade. You know, so he gets outsmarted by him, and yeah. Uh, but not before Batman shows up to see it. Thankfully, Batman's there, and he, he, Penguin, he, he's, he's still alive. He makes it. He does make it, and in his, um, what could have been his final words, he, he risked choking to death on his own blood, but he wanted to make sure that he ruined Batman, or Batman's day at least, by letting him know that there is this crazy, crazy plan that took place way back in the day that was all about taking out, uh, or that was uh, under the umbrella of a feller named the designer. And the designer had recruited four of Batman's worst rogues to fulfill this plan. And this plan is to take out specifically Bruce Wayne. Meaning, this designer character knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Um, 
yes, there is still a secret identity in DC Comics. Uh, Shoutouts to Brian Michael Bendis. So, uh, (laughs) um, now, who are these four? Well, the four that we've really mentioned throughout this book. The Penguin, the Riddler, the Joker, and Catwoman herself. Now, uh, Batman hears this news. He's shocked naturally. We go back over to Catwoman, who is being... Uh, well, seemingly looking like she's about to meet her end. She's just way too outnumbered. She's being held down in this grave by this weird Joker corpse. Still don't know if that's really the Joker. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what's going on there. But she gets saved. She gets saved. I'll give you, uh, one guess. Yeah, it was Harley. You're absolutely right. She gets saved by Harley fucking Quinn. How? I'm cool with that. I like that. Give me some Catwoman Quinn. Fuck. I dig that. Um, is Batman still amazing uh, after Tinian's third issue? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, another DC book to talk about. Uh, this is no longer Schneider's team. We got the old Justice League. We're at issue number 40. We got Robert Venditti, Doug Mankey doing the art, Richard Friend, and David Barron also on the art team as well. Uh, Covered by Brian Hitch and Jeremiah Skipper. So, um, uh, this this human-looking being falls to Earth. Now, I'm going to stop myself right there for a second. Uh, I did read the last issue of Justice League before this, and it ended with the Justice League and some new costumes looking down on Earth, having to go through this new portal that allows them to relive, re, recreate, reimagine, um, remold any storyline that they've ever been a part of. And that's that's infinite, and that's all to be able to, you know, that's the, for the fight against Perpetua. Now, the next issue after that, after Schneider, it's like a whole new, uh, it's like none of those last 39 issues ever happened. I don't know, we'll just have to see. I mean, it's too early to tell for sure, but this is a whole new story. So, the story. Uh, So, this human-looking person thing falls to Earth. Big boom. Uh, now, you know, I gotta figure out what kind of, uh, contaminate anything, what is this guy, where is he from, he might look like a human, might talk like a human, probably ain't a human, <clears throat> Superman, so, uh, he's, a, he's from Daxum, he's a Daxamite, now, he has the powers equivalent, comparable to Superman, and he's got laser eyes and super strength and windy breath and all of that good stuff, he goes by the name of Yat, Yat, Y-A-T, Yat. Now, Yet is a former Lantern, and he was dishonorably discharged on his account, I guess. And so, and uh, with uh, Hal being there, or not Hal, uh, fuck. God damn it. I can never remember any any other Lantern's names but Hal. He's the only one. Um, John Stewart. With John Stewart uh, being, <laughs> being there, he's like, oh yeah, no, I know that motherfucker, I can... Uh, He's not that bad of a guy. Not that bad of a guy. And then Yat goes, oh, yeah, no, not, I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm not going to fight you guys. So here's what's going on. There's this uh, uh, this, this breed of Daxamite. Super powerful, bro. Super powerful, and the motherfucker breeding them and leading them is the Eradicator. And Superman goes, oh, 
and everybody else goes, why? And Superman says, it's the Eradicator, bro. And yeah, that's that's bad. That's bad. Superman's scared. Uh, it's not Rogal's are. And uh, <laughs> so um, at this point, you know, they realize, okay, well, what's the threat? And they say, well, there's a possible threat of magic. And everybody agrees that magic fucking sucks. Um, and everybody says, Wonder Woman, what's the word on magic? And Wonder Woman says, the Justice League Darker, conveniently super busy. Um, check out Madame Zandu, though. So Batman goes to visit Madame Zandu. She gets them all tied up and magicified. Meanwhile, the Justice League are forced to face down the Eradicator and his army as they arrive in their midst. Um, and now they got to do it without Batman. So, that is issue number 40, Robert Venditti's first issue. Um, uh, aside from it not having anything to fucking do with the last 39 issues previous, um, it's still a good story, and I'm going to stick to reading Justice League, uh, mainly because there's not a lot of DC books I read anymore, and I'm trying to make sure... <laughs> I like it when there's more than two from each each little cluster uh, but, you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? DC's cutting back. Um, that's all shit. Well, yeah, that's DC. Speaking of cutting back, that's all I had this week from DC. At least to overview. Let's talk Marvel. Marvel Comics. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Uh, this is a book that I was very on the fence with, since I have gone into the the deep, deep rabbit hole of reading comics in the manner that I do, which some have described as uh, freakish. <laughs> I have, I, I, I think I've only missed one Vader title out there, um, and I regret it. I regret that deeply. Now, uh, why would I be hesitant to pick up this one? Well, my relationship with Greg Pak and his writing has been very wishy-washy this last year. Some of his stuff, and I would say most of his stuff, has been absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, objectively great. Now, on the other hand, the stuff I don't like, I... It's some of the stuff I liked least in all of comics last year. And I know that's not what I'm about on this podcast is talking about that. Uh, the, the negative by any means. But I gotta say, you know, I gotta justify my feelings going into this book. Um, I was very worried that Greg Pak, knowing that he had, it's not the first time he's written Vader before. And he did a fine job the last time as well. Um... I think it was one of the Age of Resistance books or something like that. Well, whatever it was. Uh, it was good. It was really, really good. Now, this one. This one was really, really good. Uh, mostly because of the ending. I will say that. Uh, the, the beginning and the middle. It's, it's just pushing it through. But at the same time, I guess necessary as well. So let me give credit to everybody here on this book. We've got Greg Pak writing. Uh, Raphael Ainko. Uh, doing the art, along with Narij Menon coloring, and Inyuk Lee doing the cover. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's Inyuk Lee doing a Vader cover. You know it's good. That's probably what 
didn't take very long for it to sell out because <laughs> it's pretty too so uh vader this this takes place right after v fucking um uh empire and uh yeah well vader's carrying on after luke says no daddy i ain't having it vader at this point, his goal is to track down everybody that had anything to do with Luke because he blames them for making him soft. Um, uh, or weak, as he says. But I, I like to think Vader saying soft. Made my son soft. So, <laughs> Jesus, Brian. Uh, yeah, first stop, Tatooine. Now, what's on Tatooine? Uh, Tatooine is the planet in which Luke's aunt and uncle reside. Resided? I don't know. Uh, that'd be Owen and... Oh, shit. Uh, Baru? Beru? I think it's Owen and Baru. So, yes. And they give a pretty good back history story of the... the how they came about in possession of Luke and the, the guardianship and all of that stuff. Which is explained in the movies, from my understanding. But now we get a more of a visual, what you might have it here. So uh, Vader, he's got this—I forget what the droid's name is—but this droid's been following around, kind of trolling him the whole time. But he needs him for information. Blah 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 blah. But um, yeah, uh, <laughs> the droid was—they <laughs> go to the grave site in which uh, Anakin's parents would be. Because, you know, family, right? And, you know, hoping that maybe we would be a gravesite of Owen and Beru and he could maybe shit on their grave. And there's no sign that they're, they're buried there, so Vader doesn't... He doesn't drop doors and shit on his grave. Which is the recommendation of the droid following him around. He says desecrate, but desecrate, shit on, tomato, tomato, same thing, right? So, uh, yeah, next planet. Next planet, Corsant. Uh, is that how you say it? Coruscant? Yeah, no, I'm bad at this, guys. <laughs> now, what's going on there? Padme's apartment. Vader be walking around Padme's apartment. No one's been in Padme's apartment. Uh, nothing to do in Padme's apartment. On to the next planet. Uh, because there's a clue. <laughs> Let's go to Vendaxa. And that's where we got our... Our, uh... Uh, fucking Jar Jars. Those, those little sons of bitches. And, yeah, well, as Vader is rustling around on Vendaxa, fucking shit up, he gets a little bit of help, a little pum-pum in the background. Somebody he did not expect to help. Somebody that nobody expected to help. This changes everything we thought we knew about Star Wars. This one page. Just like the last issue of Charles Soule uh, having... Uh, Palpatine force birth, for, force impregnate, if you will. I don't know. I don't know the proper fucking uh, terminology. But, yeah, that was huge. That, that set up a lot. That was something nobody knew anybody could happen, but that's canon. That, that, that works. That means something. Um, one might wonder, you know, um, in the, if you've watched the, 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 the last Star Wars movie, and I'm not going to get into it too deep, you know, I think a lot of people argue who the fuck would fuck Palpatine. Well, who says he's got a fuck? I don't know, maybe I missed something, but I'm kind of thinking that he, he force fucked. <laughs> that sounds, uh, 
kind of rapey. Uh, um, force boned. Force penetrated. You can't mix the word force and anything sexual in it without sounding uh, um, lacrosse teamish. Hmm. Carrying on. <laughs> Jesus, Brian. Uh, so, yeah. Um, what the, the point is, is on this last page, that big reveal, that, that pium pium that came out of nowhere, is Padme. The very thought to be dead, Padme. And um, Vader should have done himself a favor and shit on that grave, whether or not it was worth it or not, because he poops himself at the end of the book. Spoiler. Spoiler, Vader spoils his pants. The end. Um, <laughs> on a serious note, uh, yeah, I'm full on this book. This is, if that's how you're going to come out, Mr. Greg Peck, you sir, you're, uh, you're in my good graces again still. Um, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm just going to have to to acknowledge the fact that... Um, you know, and maybe, maybe, um, maybe I'm overstepping boundaries here. Uh oh, but he tends to only like to work with other creators from the east, um, and that's where I had a problem with the the what was it new agents of Atlas or whatever it is. Um, I had a lot of problems with that book for a lot of reasons, but you know, once again, not the, I mean, the, the the team did fine, did absolutely fine. But I don't remember the last time I've seen Greg Pak work with somebody that wasn't from his hemisphere. Maybe that's um, you know for uh, time convenient time time zone sake. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I don't have any. I mean, it's just I, I just I'm just questioning it at all. I'm just questioning it. I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm overstepping my bounds here, but it kind of makes me wonder. Uh, with that being said, the four of them put down an amazing fucking 20 pages from cover to cover. Uh, starting with Inyuk Lee and, uh, all the way to the colors of Niraj Menon. This book was flawless. Um, uh, um, I, I don't know if I can say flawless just because there's a couple instances, uh, bits of dialogue that, um, I just... I think they were just kind of filler, and that's, you know, like Padme's apartment and things like that, and some of the, 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 um, back, rehashing of the backstory on Tatooine, um, but at the same time, you know, reflecting also, I guess, kind of necessary too, so, I would say near flawless, near flawless, good job, team, uh, Daredevil, Daredevil's the next book I'm going to talk about, Daredevil number 17, um, yeah, uh, Legacy 629, Chip Zarsky, Jorge Fornes, Nolan Woodard, covered by my favorite name to say in cover talking, Julian Titino Tedesco. Fuck, dude. <laughs> so fun. Uh, so, um, I, you know, the, the, this book, it's slowing down, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's getting real artsy, almost Tom Kingy, if you ask me. There's there's a lot going on, uh, and without and at the same time so little to talk about. If that makes sense. 
it starts out we got Matt visiting the mother of the man that he killed uh, and that scenario has kind of sent this whole spiral for Mr. Murdoch. He goes to visit that mother because he has a small business. And as a small business owner, he's come into a lump sum of cash. How did this lump sum of cash uh, accumulate? Well, a feller by the name of Daredevil went out and did some fiddle-fucking around and some robin hooding, if you will, and... Uh, Reacclimated some finances of some shitheads into some lucky business owners, small business owners. Um, now the off-put side of that is that there's some really sh big shitheads that are also small business owners that also got a cut of this money that uh, are now just a little more heavily funded. Now, with that aside, back to Matt and Jamaja. So, the mother, she she knows that Matt killed him. She recognizes it. She sees it in his face. She's got clues and blah de blah de blah um, And Matt says, well, you're going to take this money. She says, I don't want your fucking money, Matt Murdock. She goes up to him, and you think you're going to get a granny slap? Nah, she gets a hug, says, you ruined my life, but I forgive you. And, uh, probably Catholic or something, I don't know. Uh, has some, uh, Catholicism has something to do with Daredevil. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, he's been carrying on, right? Well, he, he goes to a, uh, a church and he talks to this, this nun that he has been kind of confiding in. And, you know, without getting into the details of the conversation, uh, really, what I gathered out of that uh, was the, the, the smirky, foreshadowing, villainous face that the nun was making as Murdoch was walking out the door. Very subtle. Um, it could be misconstrued, but that panel, to me, should mean something. And if that's the case, and yeah, that nun... She just got co confessed on, and um, that was it was a big load of confessions, just all all on her, like just draped in Murdoch's confessions, and uh, well, she knows some shit. So, um, problem. <laughs> uh, uh, carrying away from old Murdoch, uh, we get a death. Now, Izzy, she's one of the crime bosses that's kind of, you know, they're helping run things while Kingpin's not being a crime boss anymore, along with the other crime bosses out there trying to help run things. Well, one of these other crime bosses out there is Hammerhead. He doesn't last very long in this book. He's being a cocky motherfucker. Well, Izzy, she, uh, well, has him shot in the head over what I believe to be turf war. Uh, I could be mistaken on that, but that's what I gather out of it as far as... Uh, the reasoning goes motive, but yeah, turf war. The last little bit in this is definitely the most exciting part. As vague as it is, there's one simple name uttered, and that simple name is Bullseye. So we're going to get some Zarsky Bullseye action, and for that, I am anxious and grateful. I, uh... Yeah, no, it's not. I'm not saying this book is losing me. It's just slowing down, is all. Uh, next up, we got a Savage Avengers number zero, Jerry Duggan and Greg Smallwood. But there's also some Chris Claremont and some John Romita Jr. in here. Uh, 
I did not realize what I was picking up going into this, but I am still going to fill you in on what I gathered. And that gathering being Doctor Strange visiting Krakoa. And his purpose, even though he's not allowed there, he wants to talk to magic. And magic, he believes, can be the help he needs against fighting Kulan Goth. Now, while that, as soon as that little encounter happens, we get about three pages of Strange on Kakoa being uh, ridiculed for being a human on there. So he does, he does this little levitating thing. And he says, I'm not on Kakoa, bitch. He does the classic, not touching you, not touching you, not touching you, not touching you, not touching you. And, uh, yeah, he does it in a classy doctor fashion. So <laughs> um, but, uh, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't really convince magic at all. Now, this is an oversized issue. You'd think there would be more to talk about. Now, this is where I was misinformed. The other, uh, 30 or so pages, 25 pages in this issue that are not talked about are all retellings of other bits of stories revolving around, uh, from my understanding, magic and strange. And uh, I say that with re reluctancy because I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> I figure if I find it vital, I know where to find it. It's right here in my drawer of books, X-Men books to be precise. So, yeah, um, now, with that being said, uh, I don't know what the future of Savage Avengers is. Um, I would like to think that it is ongoing. I am made to understand with some solicits that I read that issue number 10 seemed to be the end, but I also have seen a solicit for number 11 too, I believe. So, I don't know, maybe 10 is just the end of an arc. Not sure. Don't know why this number zero was inserted in there. Frankly, I don't know why number zeros exist altogether, but what are you going to do? Let's talk X-Books. Uh, Marauders, number seven, Jerry Duggan, Stefano Caselli, and Edgar Delgado, covered by Russell Dalterman and Matthew Wilson. All right, we get a little bit of a flashback here, and the flashback is pertaining to Emma Frost offering Callisto uh, her spot at White Knight. So she's going to be part of Emma's little uh, committee, if you will. And, you know, it's a lot of that that flashback is more pertaining to Emma's mutant, almost assistant, if you will. Uh, kind of a, a fashionista. I don't know, I don't know. There's a point where some sleeves of some jackets are ripped off, and I'm pretty sure... Uh, somebody, I was gonna, I was gonna say something really gross that I've never, I've never even heard that before. You know what, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it for you. Uh, nummy nummied in their pants. <laughs> I can't say it out loud ever again. I promise I'll never do that. Uh, cause I, 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 I don't know what the, the, the gender or of yeah, anything of this character is, so. Um, but they, uh, there is this, there is this definite... Um, if I had to, if I were a betting man, I would bet that those pans are damp. Uh, and the point of that rambling is, is um, the, <laughs> there is none. There is none. And that is my point. <laughs> <laughs> 
so carrying on with the story, Callisto's now the White Knight. Uh, Bishop, he is on his own mission when he realizes that, um, well, Emma Frost should be back by now. Or not Emma Frost, I'm sorry. Kate, Kate Pride should be back by now. Now, if you read the last issue, you know that... Uh, oh, shit, what, what was the fucking... The, the Black... Oh, damn it. The Black King, whatever, I don't know, I've, I've, for whatever reason, I can't remember his name. Probably because he's super cunty. Uh, he, 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 well, seemingly killed Kate. And that was a big deal because she's a killable mutant from what was revealed. Uh, now, Kate doesn't show up in this book at all still. We do get uh, our beloved Lockheed, her beloved Lockheed, pulled overboard. Uh, upon the sh the bays of Madripoor, uh, Madripoor is spoken of several times throughout this, and uh, yeah, um, huh. well yeah, um, that's that's Marauders. There's there's a lot going on here, and as quick as that was, I damn this. I want to see more Kate. That's that's what it comes. I I wanted this. Ah uh, fuck. I'm. I guess. I mean. I'm not mad at him for keeping me hanging, but I'm mad at him for keeping me hanging. Uh, I'm just gonna move on to the next book, the last book of the overviews. Uh, this is the most anticipated Marvel book in the Twitter poll that I done put up. Uh, follow those polls at Cheers to Comics, and if you want to be tagged in those polls, let me know. Um, yeah, make sure that you definitely see them. I can do that. X Men Fantastic Four, number one. Chip Zarsky, uh, Terry Dodson, Rachel Dodson, and Laura Martin, uh, covered by Terry and Rachel Dodson. Oh boy. Alright, so the premise of this story here is Franklin Richards is the most powerful mutant. He is uh, losing his powers. The more he uses them, the more he loses them. That's an issue. Uh, Xavier fully recognizes this, and he believes that the most powerful mutant should be home on Krakoa with the rest of mutant kind, safe and sound. Um, he's got a rescue team. I wouldn't say rescue, but a uh, team. to a recruiting team, let's put it that way. To, to try to convince Franklin to come back to Krakoa. The leader of this team, though, is actually Kate. Uh, there is a uh, history between the two of them that takes place in the 1987 run of Fantastic Four vs. X-Men. And that, that four-issue miniseries plays a big part as to what, uh, why. For this whole story, why? And I, I, I'm... I gotta, you know, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. The fact that they actually, you know, they at least gave the reference. Now I do want to go back and read those four issues. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they did their job just fine. Um, but you don't have to read those four issues to get it either. I'm also perfectly fine not knowing exactly what this relationship is at this point. Who knows if it's explained in further detail down the road. But yeah, it's, it's all very vague. It is vaguely explained, but yeah. So, uh, now the conflict. The conflict is, uh, Franklin recognizes that Reed Richards, the, the most brilliant mind in the multiverse, uh, he's been able to fix all the world's problems, but he can't do simple things like fix, uh, his solution, Franklin's solution, or maybe even fix Ben Grimm's solution. And that kind of, uh, Franklin puts that into Grimm's head too, and you could see that kind of, uh, 
uh, it fucks with them. It's it's not blatant, but you know you, you could see it. Now, uh, Franklin may have an answer to this, whether or not he acts upon it, or that's uh, a whole that's for another issue. Now, his answer, according to the research of a doctor, Rachna Cowell, superhumans of all types are connected to a interdimensional energy known as a god power. Now, there is a link between the person and this god power. Uh, uh, Reed believes that Franklin's link between uh, he and his god power has been severed. Now, uh, he seems to be perfectly fine with this as well. <laughs> uh, which is kind of shitty and selfish, but uh, that's, that's what it is. Uh, now, f- the X-Men arrive. They arrive to get Franklin, and Franklin says, mm, Okay, yeah, I'll do that. But Sue, she ain't having it. And we get a bad... as She just immediately goes to attack mode. She attacks the fucking X-Men. Go- starting with Magneto. And if you ever wondered what Sue Storm fighting Magneto one-on-one would look like, read this fucking book, because it is not what you think. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, and it, this, it, from here on out, it's tense. It's just high tension. Uh, so, uh, Reed convinces Sue, you know, fucking stop it for a second, and uh, then it's revealed that Reed actually created this mask for the mutant gene um and that is the reason we know that is because franklin goes to disobey his parents his faja and his maja and run through a krakoan portal on his way to krakoa despite their their word and he just kind of goes whoop it's just like he went through a lasso uh nothing happened and that's when it was like, oh, yeah, um, all the, you, uh, you, you, you'll never show up as a mutant. I did some shit to you, son, and sorry, that pisses him the fuck off. Well, uh, there's also someone else that can't go through portals. Kate, match made in heaven, right? Uh, keep in mind, Kate's still alive in this book. This obviously takes place pre-Marauders, so that's that's important to know. They um they don't mention that, but you would have to know that. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, Kate, she she tells Franklin, you well, <laughs> she doesn't exactly take him. She goes off to go on a rescue mission, and when she gets on the boat and she kind of gets out to sea a little bit, Franklin pops out, and it's not just Franklin; it's his motherfucking sister Val as well, and she ain't no motherfucking mutant, so. She, she, I mean, she describes herself as mutant by association, kinda, but, yeah, eh, it's not the same. It's not the same. So, alright, fuck it, let's go do this rescue mission. Turn around, motherfucking Doctor Doom awaits, and he's there to fuck some shit up. Uh, hmm, <laughs> it was so good, it was so good, and then Doctor Doom showed up and made it so much better. Uh, Zarsky, man, you... You were in my mouth a lot this week. <laughs> Same thing with Jerry Duggan. Duggan and Zarsky. Just a mouthful of them. Uh, <laughs> good job. Good job, you all. So that wraps up the overview portion of this here show. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. 
refill my beverage and yeah I'm gonna leave you with this stay tuned I'll be right back hey how you doing my name is Joey Galvez and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 podcast network to check out all our shows that range from collecting music all things geek all under one roof right here on the 143 podcast network partnering with age of radio check us out hey this is liz hey this is heather and we are nerdy bitches podcast a show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture from movies and tv to our regular book club and everything in between we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon. All right. I told you I'd be back. I'd be weird if I wasn't, huh? Uh, I have been dethirstified, and I should remain uh, dethirstified for at the midst of the the rest of the show. So let's. Oh Jesus, Brian! Uh, I'm I'm gonna f- talk more books now. Uh, the overview section isn't necessarily covering all of the books on my pull list that I pick up every week. Uh, I am, as I have stated earlier, a freak of nature when it comes to comic books. This is my heroine. Can't get enough of this. Uh, so I've I've got a few more books to talk about. Not in an overview type of manner, though. This These are the honorable mentions. Uh, a book that is on the honorable mentions doesn't necessarily... It's not a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It can mean a number of things. Um, and as you listen and continue to listen to this, you might figure out why it doesn't make it. I usually tell you why. Uh, let's just get on with it. Firstly... Firstly, Ant-Man. Uh, I did not read Ant-Man. Um, I have nothing against this character. I'm clearly a fan of Zeb Wells. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Mike Spicer's coloring. Uh, but beyond all of that, I just don't think I have... It's, it's a four-parter. It's a miniseries. I'm going to get all four issues. And, you know, I'm just going to sit on them. Uh, see, and this is why I consider myself a freak. I buy books that I really don't have much intention on re- of reading. I guess part of me did pick it up for speculative reasons with those cameos. I say first appearances, but whatever. Um, I might just have to crack them open to see what the fuck those, those characters look like. Uh, I'm gonna imagine they're kind of buggy. I bet you they look like bugs of some sort. I don't know, maybe not. What the fuck do I know? I didn't read it. Uh, so yeah, Ant-Man. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. I continue to buy this book, uh, but I have stopped reading it. Um, I, I guess I just, um, I, I think I'm starting to find a pattern with Saladin Ahmed, and that's mostly, and that's a shame because Javier Garon's doing the art, um, and it's not that Ahmed's doing anything bad by any means. It's just. For whatever reason, he starts out strong with characters that I wouldn't normally read, 
And then it just kind of peters off into what I was hoping I wouldn't be reading out of a, you know, that, whatever. But that is what the, what I don't want is what the majority does want out of these characters. The, the Miss Marbles and the Miles Morales. So, uh, fuck, who am I to say? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to not support the book either. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm not... Uh, I mean, not everybody needs to live up to those standards of <laughs> keep buying it. Just uh, um, I, I keep buying these books because I don't, I like complete runs. Uh, that's that's just something I do. It's very rare that I, I get, you know, 14 issues into a run and just stop. Um, usually I, I know within four or five issues if I'm going to keep going. So uh, just like with, uh, uh, well, I guess I did kind of do that with Miss Marvel. Now I only pick up first appearances with Miss Marvel. I think I stopped at nine. But, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It varies. It's, I don't know. But, yeah, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Uh, I, I bet you it was just fine. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, I just, the, the story arc isn't for me anymore. Um, Martian Manhunter. This year-long maxi-series by Steve Orlando and Riley Rossamo has come to an end. I read the first three issues of this and was blown away, a little bit lost, I will admit. Um, you know, I I guess I can, I, I have no problem admitting the fact that my knowledge um, when it comes to Marvel versus DC is severely outweighed by Marvel. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of DC. I just it just doesn't connect with me for whatever reason. I clearly give it a college try. I try to know as much as I can about these characters, you know, just for the sake of uh, knowing. You know, I still want to know. Um, Martian Manor is a character that I have grown intrigued with since Snyder's Justice League run. And, uh, yeah, uh, this this is, a, this is really a, a two-part trade negotiations waiting to happen. Uh, one day, when I have all of that time, uh, and not a stable of amazing creators that want to come on this show, I can't wait for you guys to see what's coming up next. <laughs> There's so many good people. Uh, I'm recording an amazing podcast right after this one, right after I'm done. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a clue. Uh, you know, never mind. No, I won't. Just fucking stay tuned next Sunday. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite from IDW Comics. This is number four. I have number three sitting here right next to me. I read one and two, and I decided I just want to read three and four all together because I know it's just a four-parter, and I want it all just... Because mm, mm, it's so perfect. The first two issues were so perfect. And, uh, you know, I, I'm lucking out because I'm getting another uh, Napoleon Dynamite one-shot by a completely different creative team. Uh, so, I mean, i got to hold my breath again because Napoleon Dynamite, that's, that's my shit. It's my baby. Don't be doing that to me. Let me fucking him up. Not that I have, you know, any reason to believe that he's going to get fucked up in this Valentine's Day one-shot coming up. But that's not... that's. It's for another show. We'll find out. We'll find out. But the fact is, is this four-parter uh, has come to an end, and I'm going to enjoy it here very soon, all to myself. Uh, Wretches number three. Um, you know what? So I, I picked up the first issue, and I liked it a lot. And I'm pretty sure I picked up the second issue as well. I would imagine so, because the third issue is in my pull list, so I probably just added it as ongoing. Um, yeah. 
I, I haven't gotten around to reading the second issue or the third issue yet, for that matter. But um, I have them, so they're there when I want them. Oh, man. Uh, the Butcher of Paris, number three. This is number three of five from Stephanie Phillips and Dean Coates and Jason Wordy and Troy Petiri. So this this uh, book, this series, is going to lead into uh, an incredible, incredible bonus episode of a podcast. My f- good friend, I like to consider him a good friend, uh, the most knowledgeable uh, crime expert that isn't actually being paid to be a crime expert expert I have ever personally met. Uh, not just shaking the hands of, but just uh, come across at all. And your fucking true filed TVs or whatever. The, the, the dude, this this feller. My the point of this rambling is that he turned me on to the Butcher of Paris. Is that it's a true story. And, you know, I'm fucking, you read it, and then I'll tell you the differences. And I started thinking, um, actually, another uh, friend of the show, uh, Sean, shout out to Sean. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure it was Sean. <laughs> It'd be embarrassing if it wasn't. But either way, it was a friend of the show. Uh, mentioned the, the Butcher of Paris, and I said, oh, I got an idea. Um, I, I am reading this, and I, or I, I am collecting this, and I plan on reading it. Um, as a, a bulk thing, because I know it's just five issues, and I want to get it all at once. So I, I called out socially and publicly Mr. Robert and said, Hey, uh, how do you feel about coming out and talking about this book when it's all said and done and giving us an expert's uh, point of view? And I got a yes. He said yes. So I can't wait for that. Ah, yeah. Uh, Two more issues, and that gets to happen. The last book of honorable mentions. uh, I I don't know why I didn't get around to reading it. Uh, This is... I think I got it mixed up with the other Harley Black Label book that I'm saving. Uh, I am trying to read Joker Harley Criminal Sanity. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even open this book up, uh, and that was all by mistake. Uh, I have every intention on getting to this book here before the next batch of comics comes in here. Uh, well, uh, I guess less than 48 hours. So, um, the book is Joker Harley Criminal Sanity number three. Kami Garcia, Miko Suyan, Jason Bodauer, and Annette Kwok. So, yeah, that's a. Uh, ah, oh, fuck, I've been loving that series. That does it for honorable mentions. Uh, as you noticed, I didn't have anything bad to say about any of those books. That's not what honorable mentions are about. Uh, let's move on to the last, or not the last segment, the next segment. The next segment, this is the wall books, and in this case, wall book. There's only one book I picked up this week for cover appeal, and once again, it's a Matina cover, and, uh, Batman 88. Batman 88, holy fuck. Uh, I love Matina drawing the Penguin. I love Matina drawing the Catwoman. Uh, his Batman, uh, admittedly, I know I've seen it, and if you if you really kind of analyze it, uh, he's not really drawing a whole lot of Batman. <laughs> just a lot of shadows. And that, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I like the, the, the stuff that goes on around Batman and the Batman covers that Matina does, and this is 
fuck, dude. Uh, Penguin and Catwoman looking as vicious as they ever should. Oh, it's going to look so incredible. My Matina part of my wall is filling up. I'm going to have to fucking... I hate retiring books. I hate retiring books. I love them all so much. I like to look at all of them. Uh, yeah, that's so that's wall books. That's wall books. There will be one more book lining the walls. It is Studio Cerebro. Sure. Let's, uh, let's give some top credit, huh? These are the books that I would like to give the most acknowledgement to. I don't ever want to take away from any other book, but at the same time, I, I feel like there's there needs to be some sort of massive praise at the end of these here shows. Uh, so I guess people like review stuff, and I don't like to review stuff, so this is my happy medium. Me giving a top pick, but in three separate categories. And as you all know, um, I like to think that there are three major key components in what goes into a good comic book. The first one being cover appeal. Um, a cover can sell a book. Doesn't matter if it's a character that someone may never want. If the cover's sexy, it could get picked up and then a whole new world can be opened up. So covers to me are just as important as what's going on on the inside. Uh, with that being said, my cover of the week, um, really, <laughs> it isn't a no-brainer. I actually have it between three. Uh, and as they all stare me down, two of them are Matina covers. The other Matina cover... Um, is on the Joker Harlow Criminal Sanity, and uh, it's good. It's good, but once again, it's kind of not a lot there either. It's more of the idea of what you're looking at. So um, the other thing that drives me nuts is the ear placement on that. I fucking can't stand it when ears are drawn so low. It's like John Romita Jr., but that's neither here nor there, so I guess that cancels that out. The other book that I, I'm just eyeballing the fuck out of, and I swear, if this were a uh, virginized cover, um, un, unsullied, <laughs> the Power Rangers Turtles cover A, Dan Mora cover, would be a wall book for sure, because, good lord, man, that's... I, my, my eye just keeps getting drawn to Bebop, too. Uh, fuck, dude. <laughs> Bebop and Rocksteady, killing it. All right, that's, uh, that's, the. Uh, so what's my favorite? It's the goddamn Batman 88. Uh, yeah, I really drew that one out, didn't I? I won't draw out the cover, or the interiors of the week. The interiors of the week, you know, this, the, the, this was not easy for me, but when it all came down to it, there's one panel that stands out in my mind, and to me, that's, um... That that makes for, uh, I mean, noteworthy, uh, definitely mentionable, re-mentionable art. Um, <laughs> uh, as my voice goes out as I record this, so is my brain apparently. Um, Penguin gets his throat slit, and that panel is fucking brutal, man. Fucking brutal, and... Uh, the, the, the panel that follows after that is gnarly, and the panel that follows, the, the two panels that follow after that are gnarly. And, um, yes, the, the story is complementing the art very well in that manner, but at the same time, god damn. I love the way that Gilliam March is drawing these characters. They're all grotesque and just nasty and filthy looking and just like, wrinkly and, ah, oh, it's hard to describe. It's just, uh, unsettling is the best word to describe the character designs that Gilliam March is, is using. 
Um, and Penguin is probably my favorite one out of all of them. Uh, oh, fuck, so good. Uh, now, I know, I both just said Batman twice. Am I going to say it three times? I absolutely am. Batman is going to get a trifecta pick this week. It is my most recommended book. Uh, holy fuck. And, and it's not just because of surprise factor at this point. You know, three issues, I just should just be expected that it's going to be good now. Uh, that's, that's, that's the standard that I now have this book at. Uh, I, I w- don't expect anything less than amazing from Tinian writing Batman from here on out. I, I don't want anybody else writing. <laughs> I guess I am going to talk about how I flipped on him. Uh, this, this story is incredible, man. It's, it's, it, it is, it's so good. It's got my favorites in it. The Riddler. Fuck, the Riddler's character design. Oh, fuck, it's so good. Uh, that, that does it. That does it. That's what we have to talk about for comic books that I picked up this week. But that doesn't wrap up this podcast. I have added another segment. And that's that's just because I love you guys so much, and I like to hear from you, and I like your opinions. And, you know, frankly, uh, one thing that, I mean, who knows, there's probably 10 trillion things that this podcast lacks, but one thing that uh, kind of, uh, admittedly, does kind of get to me is there's not a whole lot of uh, back and forth. You know, I'm I'm just soloing it up here, you know, unless I have a an interview, you know, every once in a while, therapy session, but for these, these overviews, with maybe one or two exceptions ever, uh, I do all by myself, and uh, I, I I like back and forth. So I've I've figured it out. I figured out a way to have a back and forth involve you listeners, and you know, and just get a real discussion going. I get some intrigue, uh, and with that. I'm here to plug the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. It's really easy. You know what the Facebook is. You just Cheers to Comics in the little searchy thingy. Hit the group. You can like the page, too. There's a Cheers to Comics page you can like. That's super fucking awesome when you do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, the, the Facebook group. I am attempting to pose a question uh, every week and get some... Get some uh, dialogue going and you know i value your opinions uh, i know I, I actually value your opinions more than i value my own if that makes any sense uh i mean ugh, that was that probably doesn't make sense i value hearing about your opinions more than i value talking about my own bam nailed it the second time so <laughs> yeah um what what was the discussion this week um admittedly uh, I gave very little time for anybody to jump on this. Uh, surprisingly, there was a lot of input. So, fuck, the Facebook group. Cheers to ya. So, the question this week I put posed is, um, well, I guess this is more of a task than a question. Put together the Fantastic Four of the DC Universe. Any four DC characters of your choice. And that is the Fantastic Four of the DC Universe. Now, the input I got on this uh, is exactly what I was looking for. What I got out of this is what I'm hoping 
w- one other person out of everybody listening to this gets out of this, and it makes it makes me want to go through and do some research, because there are some characters, and like I said, like I stated earlier, um, I'm not too uh, as nearly as in depth with the DC universe as I would like to be. I mean, I'm not completely stupid when it comes to it, but there's a lot of and backburner names that just haven't crossed my eyeballs yet. So, and I say yet. I, I, I'm going to get to them uh, even sooner now because of this here discussion. So, the first comment we had on here. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> um, wasn't an answer. It was a question. And uh, <laughs> Caleb, I admire this question. His response is, what would these four be doing? And that's, uh, uh, thinking about it, at first I was like, ah, well, fucking Fantastic Four shit, and then I realized, like, well, no, that's a good question, I mean, uh, it, it could be anything, but the answer that I did give him to, you know, help him with his, uh, uh, answer was fantastic stuff. So, stuff that the Fantastic Four would be doing. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean they got to be heroes. They just got to be doing stuff that the Fantastic Four would be doing. Cosmic stuff, blah, 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 blah. Uh, world-saving shit. Now, the first answer answer I got came from Ken M., one of the amazing hosts of the amazing podcast that I <laughs> listen to religiously. And that podcast is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Uh, yeah, I'm plugging you. I'm plugging you hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking Ken M. He was uh, the co-host of... Hey, he was the last guy I got a back and forth with on the 2019 Best Of Show. So... His answer, uh, since the Fantastic Four is so closely tied to challengers of the unknown slash terrifics, I'm going to flip it to the villains for this one. Lex Luthor in the spot of Reed, smartest on the planet. Brilliant. Lady Shiva in the spot of Sue, vastly underrated. No shit, did you not read this Fantastic Four X-Men book? Holy fuck, is Sue underrated. I'm never going to look at her the same way again. The Joker in the place of Johnny as the emotional wild card. Ken M, you put some thought into this, dude. (laughs) And Grundy, Solomon Grundy as Ben. Because why not? And, you know, it's a... I'm going to have to say it again to you. My man. (laughs) It's a... Fucking brilliant answer, dude. And from there, the the, the bar was set. And uh, the next one, we got Scott Young. Scott Young of the Take a Knee uh, for Marvel vs. DC podcast. Check him and his co-host out as well, their show. And his answer was, off the top of his head, he says, Mr. Terrific, Natasha Irons, Jon Stewart, and Lobo. And... Uh, <laughs> so three of those I know right off the top of my head. Natasha Iron, or I mean, I, I uh, off the top of my head, I obviously know. Uh, but Natasha Irons, that's one I'm gonna have to look up. But just based off of those three there, uh, I, Mister Terrific for sure. And uh, yeah, Green Lantern is a yeah, absolutely. Lobo, are you kidding me? For sure. Uh, yeah, no, I dig it. I dig that quite a bit. Good answer, man. Uh, oh, David Roseman. David Roseman had... Uh, 
I, I like this gentleman tends to do. He has very outside-the-box answers. This, he's a smart feller. Not to take away from any of the other answers on here, but he just... He knows he knows how to get to me. He's known me personally for a long time. His answer <laughs> was King Mob, Sandman, the Max, and one may say, Err! no, and uh, he does reiterate, eventually collected and re-released by DC, <laughs> and the fourth being Spider-Jerusalem, and he quotes it, the gritty gang of four, and for that I say... Fucking brilliant, Mr. Roseman. Dude. <laughs> Are you... This... He... 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 Uh, right in my heart. Right in my heart. Way to do it, man. Way to do it. And yes, I consider Vertigo DC. Uh, Brandon Crease. <laughs> uh, throwing down some comedy... Uh, he says his Fantastic Four team of the DC Universe would be four Alfred Pennyworths, but each of them has a different hello, my name is name tag that mentions his hero characteristic like Human Torch or Invisible Woman. Uh, by the way, that Alfred would be wearing a wig. <laughs> uh, Brandon, you never cease to make me laugh, buddy. Uh, Alex Wapner. Alex, you... You, uh... You you pick, you pluck the low-hanging fruit, and you know what? Actually, it wasn't all low-hanging fruit, and I'm not judging you for it because if you think about it, it wouldn't make a bad Fantastic Four team of the the, the DC universe at all. And Alex chose Superman, Flash, uh, Doc Fate, and Batman. So yeah, why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Uh, oh, Caleb. Oh, Caleb. Caleb, uh, he, he is the host. Like, I, I don't I hate to use the word was because he wrapped up the show. I've been trying to convince him to bring it back. He did 100 episodes and said, I'm done for a while. And I said, mm, I don't like that. Uh, but he's the host of the unofficial uh, Facebook podcast of the movie Talk by Movie Fans Facebook group or something like that. Something along those lines. And he does an amazing job, uh, or did an amazing job. And his answer, his answer was the Atom, Zatanna, Etrigan, and Firestorm. And I fucking love that team so much. I'm surprised more people didn't say Zatanna. Um, because, yeah, Zatanna, she's, she's... Is she the best female... In all of DC? <laughs> yeah. Yes, she is. William Pace. William says his four would be Firestorm. Ooh, two for Firestorm. Uh, Metamorpho. Dig it. Brainiac 5 and Saturn Girl. Yeah, that seems like a DC Universe Fantastic Four team to me. Dig it, buddy. Dig it, William. Uh, Will Walker. Will Walker. Ooh, mostly females. He's a uh, flipping it up. I like it. Uh, I know Will is a major fan of Poison Ivy, so it does not surprise me at all that he has Poison Ivy at the top of his list. And then down there, of course, you gotta have the old bed buddy Harley Quinn. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Red Hood. 
A little Jason Todd action. And Vixen as the fourth. So, yeah, I like it. I like those answers all quite a bit. Now, uh, in case you were wondering, I too have an answer. Um, and as I think about this, I'm starting to realize maybe I had forgotten my answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe not so much. Uh, my answer, my Fantastic Four of the DC Universe would be Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, once again. Gotta have the bed buddies in there. <laughs> uh, Zatanna. Absolutely Zatanna. So we've got time travel. And not, I'm not saying these powers are uh, equivalent to the Fantastic Four's powers either, which I see a lot of other people's did. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, spreading out uh, superpowers here, and it would be useful. And so we got Booster and his time travel. We got Blue Beetle and his uh, fucking Scarab. You know, that's pretty fucking useful, right? Um, we've got uh, Zatanna, Magic, enough said. And my fourth would be Plastic Man, because I love a good laugh. So... Uh, yeah, that's my team, man. That is my Fantastic Four of the DC Universe. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy these these uh, makeshift back and forths, non back and forths, really, but uh, from you to me's very much. I really do. So if you would like to join in on the conversation, uh, just fo get it, jump on in the, the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. You can also follow me at Cheers to Comics on Twitter or on Instagram, the Cheers to Comics podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that does it. That's been a podcast. This has been a lot of fun. I've had some fun talking books this week with y'all. Episode 66. Or 150, as I guess I'm reiterating again, as I said I wouldn't. Um, now... Uh, please support this podcast, 150 episodes in, and I'm starting to see some growth, some real support out there, and it's, it's allowing me to do things that are really going to take things to the next level. Looks like I'm going to be able to get me a little mobile recorder thanks to some Patreons, and I fucking thank you deeply for that. And what does that mean? That means more con interviews, baby. Uh, that means a lot of things. I've got, oh God, I know so many people I just, that don't do the, the Skype thing or the travel thing, and I gotta go to them. So it's, the world is open. And now, how do you contribute to such greatness uh, and production value of the show? You, you do it by becoming a Patreon. Patreon.com slash cheers to comics. Super simple. For as little as a dollar a month, it adds up, guys. It does. It may not seem like much. It may not seem like that dollar is worth the effort, but fuck is it worth the effort. Uh, it, for one, it makes me feel really, really good. I know it sounds weird to say that, but knowing that you guys care enough to, to throw out your hard-earned money to, to see the growth of this show means the fucking world to me. And I'm going to put all of that to, to good use. That is a promise. And I tend to give back, too. If you look and see, uh, see as the tiers range up, you end up getting stuff more stuff back in return. Even on the lowest tier, the dollar, I'm still starting out by sending you stickers. And I say plural. So, yeah, fucking join Patreon, man. Join, become a member of the Slurred Army. Get shouted out. Do good things. Another way you can get shouted out on this podcast 
Uh, sometimes I read my Apple reviews, and fuck do I appreciate every single one of them. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. It is huge for this show. Once again, it may seem petty and insignificant and not worth your time. I understand how valuable your time is. It's just as valuable as your hard-earned money. But if you care about this show um, a fraction as much as I do, that is that is a great way to, to show me. Those those reviews are fucking. They they mean the world to this show, and not just for my ego, but as far as the uh, the growth and how algorithms pick up the amount of traffic and ratings and all of that good stuff. So those five star reviews, man, those those are huge. So that that wraps it up. Those that, that's that's yeah. Uh, support me. <laughs> uh, also, uh, check out nsclivetv.com. Uh, what we are doing over there is, and I'm proud to say we, uh, it's amazing stuff. It, it really is. And I'm not just the, the voice shill. Uh, I'm so much more than just the official voice of NSC Live TV. I, uh, I, I, I'm behind what they, what they are offering, what we are offering, and what we are getting ready to bring to you. Um, there's more channels on their way, a couple of which I'm associated with. So, mm. Uh, NSCLiveTV.com. Uh, check out all of the uh, the 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 shops that were mentioned in the beginning of this podcast. Hooked on Comics. Uh, those the, those <laughs> those auctions are so amazing. All found on NSCLiveTV.com. Uh, Sarge's auctions once again fucking awesome, man. Those <laughs> three dollar <laughs> Donna slabs. Jesus. Uh, so yeah, support them. Support them. If you're not going to support me, support them. And I post those feeds in the Facebook group as well. So get all up in it. You slurs, thank you so much for tuning in with me. Uh, I feel like I've been talking for hours. It hasn't been that long, so I don't feel nearly as bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's always been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I... I'm going to go rest my vocal cords because I've got a kick-ass fucking interview to do here in about five hours. So, uh, yeah, y'all take care. And talk to you Friday for Polis Priorities. You slurs read responsibly. Cheers of fuckers.